I got a little quote for you on the back of your service sheet. A little quote, some people seem to get all sunshine and some all shadows. I'm looking for the English majors in the room. Does anybody recognize this quote? Joe does. This is from Little Women, uh, an American classic written in 1868, Louisa May Alcott, uh, this coming of age story of uh, four sisters. Uh, Does anybody remember the story? So you have the four sisters, you have Meg the oldest, you have Joe and Beth and Amy. Meg, she's the oldest, she's the sensible one. I think she's also the prettiest. And uh, she's also the one who conforms to the standard for little women. Um, She is the one who will get married and settle down and and she'll be happy with that. Um, Joe, of course, number two sister, she is the uh, the adventurer. She doesn't want to be locked into stereotypes. Um, she's fiercely passionate, she's a tomboy, she wants to be a writer, and uh, yeah, she, her, I think her character is probably very ahead of the time, and uh, I think that's why she's so relatable today. Uh, generations of women have followed in the footsteps of Joe. Uh, the youngest sister, Amy, um, she's the artistic but spoiled sister. Of course, she grows up a little bit during the story as well. And lastly, there's Beth, the one who makes us cry. Um, Beth, of course... I'm the shy sister, I'm the peacemaker, the quiet one, and the one who ends up sick and, well, you know the story, if you know the story. And so I'm not going to make anybody cry right now, or myself. Uh, It's four sisters, um, these four different personalities, um, all bound together in an incredible piece of storytelling. Uh, That always happens with storytelling, doesn't it? It lasts the test of time. Well, our Bible passage today is all about four different personalities. Um, Four different characters who meet Jesus, they're all bound together by that experience on a particular day of meeting Jesus, and I do think it's some incredible storytelling. So uh, why don't we pray and ask God to open that story for us as we do that this morning. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, as we read your story, as we read your word this morning, will you transport us into the story? Will you help us imagine an encounter with Jesus, and would you make that real for us today? And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, Like I said, we are in week two of our uh, sermon series called Encounters with Jesus. It's all about people who met Jesus and uh, how they were changed by it. And uh, in today's passage, we take him back to the very first moments of Jesus' public ministry. Um, It's important to give a super brief history Um, of Jesus up to this point. Remember at Christmas, we have the story of Jesus' miraculous birth and uh, his mother is a virgin and uh, his birth is attended by angels and and wise men or kings, whatever they were. It's all this promise, but nothing much happens for 30 years. We we almost have nothing recorded. There's a picture of Jesus in Luke's gospel, age 12, he's at the temple and uh, and he teaches in a way that the the, the rabbis are amazed, everybody's amazed. But then nothing really happens until he's 30. It's this period of silence. Jesus is the son of a carpenter living in a little town called Nazareth, kind of the back of nowhere. But uh, after that long period of being under the radar, the very day before our passage here, um, the day before this, Jesus joins the crowds, uh, the crowds who've been going out into the desert to John the Baptist. Uh, There had been rumors that God's promised one, God's chosen one, his Messiah or his Christ, 
was going to be revealed. And, uh, and we get this secret glimpse um, in Mark's gospel into Jesus. Um, Jesus is baptized. And as he goes under the water and as he comes up, probably only John the Baptist and Jesus see this, but God's Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, a symbol of God's approval and God's commissioning. And God's voice speaks from the heavens and says, this is my son whom I love. That's all background, by the way. That's a background the day before our passage starts. That is exactly what happened. Um, so our passage today, it opens with this very first encounter that anybody has with Jesus after his baptism, after that, after that kind of commissioning. This is the first recorded encounter we have with Jesus. And it happens to two disciples of John the Baptist. Um, in those days, disciples would follow after a teacher. Um, they would learn from the teacher. They would emulate his lifestyle. And, and that's what it meant to be a disciple. You were a student, a learner, uh, students dedicated to a master's teaching. And so the two characters we meet in our story at the beginning, they're disciples of John the Baptist. They've been listening to John's teaching about the chosen one, and uh, they're waiting for this chosen one to be revealed. And look at verse 35, because this is what happens when John points to Jesus. Verse 35, the next day... John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Um, Lamb of God, um, that's kind of code word for the chosen one. Um, it's a, re a reference to an Old Testament prophecy. Um, the disciples, they know exactly what this means. And so they turn their attention away from John, their master, and they turn their attention towards Jesus. Verse 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Um, remember, we're thinking about encounters with Jesus. I want you to look at verse 37 quickly for me because something remarkable happens there, doesn't it? Do you see it? These two disciples of John the Baptist who dedicated themselves to his teaching and are following him, we don't know for how long, all of a sudden they turn to follow Jesus instead. Isn't that remarkable? Jesus hasn't even said a word. He didn't say anything. But on the strength of their master's recommendation, they changed the course of their life. Maybe I'm overstating it, but they give Jesus a chance um, based on the word of somebody they trust. Based on the word of somebody they trust. I wonder if your family or friends might be willing to give Jesus a chance based purely on a word from you, somebody they trust. Well, I'm going to say more about that in a moment. Um, come back to verse 38 with me. Because Jesus speaks the first words that we have recorded from his public ministry. Jesus turns around and he sees the two disciples following him. And he asks, what do you want? Um, when I was a kid, I remember going to a stage play. It was an adaptation of um, a, a popular children's novel in Australia. It was called Hating Alice, Alice and Ashley. Um, the, the, the main character was a little girl in elementary or junior high and Alison Ashley was that, you know, that mean girl. She was the pretty one and she was smarter. And, and uh, anyway, in this play, I remember the, the actor took a line. Uh, uh, the, the main character says, I wish I could die. The actor plays with the line, says, I wish I could die. You know, I wish I could die. I wish I could die. Um, <laughs> how do you think Jesus said that question? What do you want? you want? Do you, what do you want? How do you say it? I'm not sure. Um, 
It's not this dismissive line like, what do you want? It's not Jesus. It's an invitation. It's this open-ended question that invites you to consider what you really want. What, what are you looking for in life? What are you seeking? What is it that you want from Jesus? What do you want from Jesus? And these are the first words that Jesus asks anybody. It's no surprise that John remembers them. We assume that John was one of the two people who are at the heart of this story. And John remembers what it was like when he first met Jesus. When Jesus looked him in the eye and said, what, what do you want? What do you want from your life? What are you looking for? I wonder what brought you to church this morning. Why did you come? What prompted you to log on and watch online this morning? Or to listen to the podcast. You see, Jesus is asking us the same question. What are you looking for deep down? What are you hoping that Jesus can bring to your life? I've been a Christian for 30 years now, and uh, this question hit me hard this week. What am I looking for in Jesus? If you're somebody who journals, um, this would be a wonderful thing to work through in your journal this week. Or to pray through it. Or to talk about it in your family or to talk about it in your small group, or come to Alpha. That's the kind of thing we talk about all the time. Well, the disciples, they don't give a deep answer to Jesus' question. Instead, they ask Jesus where he's staying. And uh, that's part of following a traveling teacher, I guess. Where, where are we going? Where are we going next? But Jesus answers them with another deliberately provocative question, or provocative message, verse 39. They said, Rabbi, means teacher, where are you staying? Verse 39 he replied, come and you'll see. Come and you'll see. Um, any visual learners in the room? Um, I think I'm a visual learner. I'm going to frustrate you right now. Um, I've been playing a little game called pickleball, and I think most people in the room don't know what pickleball is, which hopefully makes this a good illustration. You can see Sharon's face. She doesn't know. So pickleball, let me explain it to you, and the visual learners, you'll be dying inside because you're not going to get it. Um, it's kind of like tennis, but on a really tiny court. It's kind of like table tennis, but you do get to walk around. Uh, and instead of a long tennis racket, you have a little paddle. It's a bit like a table tennis paddle, but it's bigger. And the ball is like a wiffle ball. So, you know, plastic with holes in it. And the scoring's different. Some people are looking going, I just don't know what that means. Pickleball. I didn't know what it was either. And uh, here's the point of the illustration, though. If you came down to the courts on... Uh, Oak Circuit down the uh, back of town here. Any time of day, you can see people playing pickleball. And all of a sudden, it'll be super obvious what pickleball is. Oh, I get that. Or if you watch it on the internet, you you'll work out what it is. There's something different about seeing, uh, something about seeing it in person that makes all the difference. Um, Jesus invites his new disciples to come and see. Come and see for themselves. Come and see where he's going. Come and see what he's going to do. Come, come and see and give Jesus a chance to show you what happens when you're following the chosen one. Come and you will see, Jesus says, to us. Just like he said to the men in verse 39. Uh, well, I promised four encounters with Jesus today. Maybe I didn't, but there are four characters who all meet Jesus in different ways. One of them we've already met. Um, look at verse 40 with me. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Um, Andrew is one of the two people from the encounter that we just read about in verse 37. He's one of the first two people to become a disciple of Jesus or a follower of Jesus. It's Andrew and another disciple who were the first people to ever spend a day with Jesus. 
Um, it's probably John. Um, it's not recorded here. John's pretty humble. John, who wrote this gospel, is probably the other one. But come back to Andrew, right? What a story he could have told. Do you know what? I was the first one to follow Jesus. Can you imagine the prowess, the, the privilege, the prestige, that kind of elevated status that he might have claimed? But look back at verse 40. How is Andrew introduced? He's Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He's Simon Peter's brother. Is there anybody else here who's the number two child in your family? Um, yes, at least one. You know the pain. Um, I'm a number two child. Um, I have an older brother and two younger sisters. And I felt like I spent my teenage years in my big brother's shadow. Oh, you're Bidwell's brother, are you? Yes, sir, I am. You have a lot to live up to. Um, <laughs> Andrew, he's remembered as Simon Peter's brother. The one whose brother became the most important disciple there was, the, the, the famous apostle. In fact, I'm not sure um, a couple of days ago that I could have told you that Andrew was even Simon Peter's brother. I don't think I would have remembered that. It's so kind of downplayed in the gospel. But we see in verse 41 the important role that Andrew had in the early church, in the story of the early church. Verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. And tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. See, Andrew is the reason that Peter became a Christian. Andrew's excitement to share the news with his brother has a major impact on the story of the church. Does Andrew demand to be in the spotlight? I should be the big apostle. It doesn't seem so. In fact, Andrew is rarely mentioned in the rest of the New Testament. In John's Gospel, the only two times we see him again... He's always bringing somebody to Jesus. Sometimes it can seem in church like, you know, the upfront roles, these are the important ones and the only important ones. These are the ones that get all of the glory. But Andrew reminds us that there is something very admirable about quietly and faithfully inviting people to come and see Jesus. Um, I've told you this story before, but I personally ended up a Christian because of a quiet and faithful friend who invited me to church week after week for, for more than a year. Uh, he wasn't an upfront guy. You could go to a party and you would never have even seen James, my friend. He was so un unassuming. But because of his faithful inviting, when I was in the 12th grade, I first went to church when I was in the 10th grade. By the time we're in 12th grade, James had invited so many boys, so many young men, that we had to split our 12th grade Bible study into two. There'd been like eight or nine guys now there was 20-something guys, all because of quiet James. He'd invited so many young men to come and see. Come and see, Jesus. Come and see for yourself. I'm praying for lots of Andrews here at Yonville Community Church. You know, lots of unassuming characters who are smitten by Jesus. And they're excited to share him with their family and friends and everybody that they meet. Peter. Now, the next encounter with Jesus is Andrew's brother. It's Peter, or Simon Peter. Um, John assumes that we know who Simon Peter is and, and like he needs no introduction. And that's because Simon Peter does end up the uh, lead disciple. He's Jesus' closest friend. And he's the one who ends up founding the church after Jesus' um, death and resurrection and he returns to heaven. Peter is the most famous disciple of all, maybe except for Paul. And this passage foreshadows his rise to that prominent position. Look at verse 41 with me. So the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and he tells him, we've found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brings him to Jesus. 
And John, uh, Jesus looks at Simon Peter and he says, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Kephas, Cephas, which when translated is Peter. See, Jesus looks at Andrew's brother and he gives him a new name. He gives him a new identity. No longer will you be Simon, son of John, son of a fisherman. Now you are to be Peter. Um, do you know what the name Peter means in Greek? The rock. It means the rock. Petros means the rock. Kephas is the same word, I think, in Aramaic. Maybe Greek, uh, Hebrew, who knows? Jesus says in Matthew 16 that Peter will be the rock on which he founds the church. He builds the church on Peter. Peter is given this cornerstone role, this weighty responsibility. The fisherman would become a fisher of men. The name that Jesus gives Peter, it's all about potential, isn't it? Jesus doesn't look at Peter and see what he is right now. He looks at Peter and he imagines what Peter might become. In fact, he calls him into what he's going to become. It's a powerful lesson about the way that Jesus sees us. Uh, the great sculptor Michelangelo famously said, every block of stone has a statue inside it. And the task of the sculptor is to discover it. Jesus sees the statue inside the block of stone. He sees what we can become. And he'll chip away at us until we become the masterpiece that he intended, if we let him do it. I wonder if you were to meet Jesus today, like Simon met Jesus. I wonder what name he would give to you. I wonder what potential he sees in you. I wonder what he sees in you that probably you don't even see yourself, what you couldn't imagine that Jesus could do with you and your life, who he might make you into. Are you like Andrew, an inviter? Or are you a foundation stone like Peter? What if Jesus were to call you and use you in the next stage of life, the next season of life, in a way that you couldn't possibly have imagined before? What might that even look like? Uh, we just finished an Alpha course. Uh, some of you have been on Alpha before. I, I really hope lots of you will come on Alpha in the near future. Perhaps Jesus might call you from being a participant in Alpha to somebody who leads the next Alpha course. Wouldn't that be amazing? Perhaps Jesus might take you from somebody who's never prayed so somebody who's part of a prayer team that, that prays and ignites this church in prayer, wouldn't that be amazing? Perhaps you might have picked up the Bible for the first time six months ago. Perhaps as of today, you've never even picked up the Bible. What if you did that today? And what if it changed your life so much that weeks or months from now, you find yourself sharing the Bible with people? Perhaps you even become a leader. Imagine Jesus takes you even more extreme than that. He makes you into a pastor or a missionary. Um, does it sound ridiculous? If you'd asked me at 16 what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have told you I will be a lawyer in Sydney. And here I am, a pastor missionary in California. Jesus has a way of chipping away at us to reveal the sculpture inside. If you meet Jesus today, don't be surprised when he calls you into a very different life than you expected. See, following Jesus is all about receiving a new identity, a new mission in life, a new calling. And it's the greatest adventure ever. It really is. And it starts with listening to Jesus' call on your life. Well, we got two more encounters very briefly. Um, it's the encounters that Philip and Nathaniel have with Jesus. Uh, Philip, he's one of the disciples that we hear the least about. In fact, this is probably his starring moment in the New Testament. Um, look at how Philip ends up as a disciple. Verse 43. 
The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip doesn't find Jesus. Jesus finds Philip. And Jesus says to him, follow me. Um, I wonder if some of you who are listening today are a bit like Philip. And perhaps you're not even sure why you came to church today. Perhaps you're not sure about this whole Christianity thing. What do you think Jesus would say to you if he were here right now? I think he would say what he said to Philip. Follow me. No ifs, no buts, just follow me. Um, I love Philip because he is everything that I wasn't. Uh, He heard Jesus' voice and he followed. That simple. It took me so long to listen. I think I had my ears covered. I pray that some of you are having a Philip moment right now, that Jesus is speaking to your heart and you're deciding right here and now to follow Jesus. Um, If that's you, praise God. I'd love to hear about it afterwards and I'd love to help you with the kind of the next steps. Don't let that feeling go. Uh, We're going to say a prayer together in a minute. Um, But there's one more character who encounters Jesus and that's Nathaniel. Um, We only read the first, sorry, we we did read all of the story. Um, Nathaniel, when... He hears about Jesus and he hears that Philip has started to follow Jesus. He he really scoffs at his friend. He scoffs at his friend. And by the way, how brave is Philip? You know, Jesus calls Philip to follow him and right away he goes and finds another friend and says, come and follow as well. And his friend scoffs at him. Look at what Nathaniel says to Philip in verse 45. We found Moses, the one that Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, And Nathanael asks in verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Um, Nathanael dismisses the whole idea of Jesus because Jesus comes from Nazareth, this backwater town, this cultural dump. Can anything good come from there? He scoffs. Um, It's interesting when I tell people that I'm a pastor, um, I often get the Nathanael treatment um, as if I must be completely naive to believe in Jesus or that I can't be terribly intelligent because, you know, everybody knows that Jesus isn't real. Oh, really? Oh, wow, that must be nice for you. That must be really fulfilling. Um, sarcasm all the way through. I've received some more contemptuous comments than that. And that's Nathaniel's go-to attitude about Jesus. It's, it's contempt. And we'll meet plenty of people with that same attitude to Jesus. But I love Philip's response to Nathaniel. It's there in verse 46. Nazareth... Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. He learned from Jesus, didn't he? Come and see. Come and see. Philip doesn't argue. He just invites Nathanael to see for himself. One of the things I love about Alpha is it starts with the assumption that most of the people coming have some kind of doubts about Jesus or skepticisms. They're skeptical, and Alpha encourages participants to be open and honest about it, to have the discussion we don't shy away from it. We, uh, we, we welcome that conversation because for many people, when they come and see Jesus for themselves, those preformed attitudes, they melt away when they come face to face with Jesus, which is what happened for Nathaniel. We, we didn't have time to go into the details, but Nathaniel, he meets Jesus and Jesus speaks a word into his life. He says, I saw you and I know you. And that convinces Nathaniel that Jesus is real. And then Jesus says to him, you haven't seen anything yet. Are you going to see even more than that? Trust me and follow me. Come and see. You might be feeling a bit like Nathaniel this morning. Um, If that's you, can I I encourage you to take a chance? Take a chance. 
to come and see, to come and meet Jesus and, and see if there might be more to him than you thought. Alpha might be the place to start. We'd love to see you there. Or maybe it's just committing to come into church over the next seven or eight weeks as we look at these encounters with Jesus. Because we want everybody here to have their own encounter with Jesus. Come face to face with Jesus yourself and allow him to show you what you might become. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and these amazing encounters that people had with him. Heavenly Father, help us to have encounter with Jesus. Help us to meet him face to face. Father, where we have doubt, would you erase that doubt and show us the truth? Where we're feeling scared, would you give us the bravery to follow after you? Help us to hear your voice and to see Jesus and all of the promise that he has for us. And we just pray this in his precious name. Amen. Thank you.